Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Right in, your Glenn Mack. Now, Saturday morning, 94 WIP. We've got Sixers later today. Amy Fadul is going to join us at noon. Talk about that. She does a great job uh, on uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia pre and post. Actually, her uh, TV partner, Jim Lynham, is going to join us tomorrow. After the Sixers game today, we are talking a lot about the NFL draft. We've got the Phillies in the equation as well. There is a Flyers, a very serious story with the Flyers I want to bring up by the end of the show. And Jay Wright on the agenda. But, Ray, right now, it is time for This Week in Philadelphia Sports History, brought to you by Shy Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Check out their throwback apparel at their Center City location or at shybsports.com. All right, Ray, Sixers uh, being the story of the day. I decided we are going back to April 24th, 2001, one day shy of 21 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's the Sixers Pacers, first round of the NBA playoffs. Three days earlier, the Sixers, you remember, Sixers had finished first in the, in the conference in the regular season, lose game one at home, 79-78. to 78. I remember that game. I remember... Nobody could make a shot. Iverson that day, 7 for 19 with 16 points. It's a horrible game. But game two, that, my friend, is a little bit different. First appearance of the night. From the outside, oh, Iverson. He's on fire. Starting to feel it. Geiger, 15 feet away, back to Iverson. Out of Iverson again. Just about a handoff there. Iverson put it up. And oh my I was going to say finally a miss, but it went down. Oh, my goodness. See, I, Iverson just feeling it. Shoots it short. <laughs> Bounces off the backboard, goes sky high, and drops. And you see Iverson thanking whoever will listen. Allen Iverson, 18 points, third quarter alone. 41 for the night. 16 points is all he had in game one. Well, Ray, actually 19 points in the third quarter of that game. 45 points for the game. The Sixers win it and tie. Wait, I think it's 116 to 102. I should look it up. And tie it up uh, and go on to win the best of five in four. And I will tell you. I'm really hoping this year is that long run because that year, I wasn't here in 82, 83. Mm -hmm. Uh, I moved here in 86. That year was the most fun 
exciting, uh, magnetic, just drew everybody in year of basketball I've ever seen in this town. It was. It was really uh, – you, you said it. It was fun. It was, it was, it was just fun. Uh, Iverson was uh, one, of the most, one of the most electrifying athletes we've seen come through this city in any sport, really. Um, frustrating at times. Uh, both on the floor and off. Uh, off, definitely. as you know. <laughs> Ask our friend Billy King. <laughs> we, uh, you know, and when we had uh, <laughs> when right. we had Larry Brown on for tell us your story. I mean, he he talked about what it was like to try and coach the guy. Uh, but as a talent, oh my, and and really in many ways a a great fit for the fans of Philadelphia. I mean, he this is a passionate town, you know, and they like athletes that lay it on the line, and you know, maybe not at practice, but certainly. In the real games, I mean, he gave you 110% effort, and that night was just an awesome, awesome display of basketball. To think that a guy his size in this era of the NBA could be that dominant uh, is pretty rare. That night, April 24th, 2001, he plays 46 minutes of the 48, 15 for 27 on field goals, 3 for 7 on three-pointers, excuse me, 12 for 14 on free throws, 9 assists. Uh, 45 points. And by the way, uh, Reggie Miller, no slouch himself. No. 44 points in the loss. It was a great game, and it was a really fun series. I mean, the Sixers win it, and then uh, was Milwaukee next? I forget the order of who they beat. Toronto, Milwaukee, uh, and then on to the Lakers. It was such a fun postseason. Remember, people were driving around with Sixers flags on their cars. On the car, on the antennas, yeah. right? All over the place. Yeah, all over the place. Yeah, they really took over the city. I mean, that's. I mean, every everywhere you went, um, there were people had Sixers banners in their windows, uh, the little flags on the car antennas, uh, everywhere. I mean, it was it was just a very very tattoos. Ex- very exciting time. Pat Croce came into the studio uh, when we were doing the show. I was doing middays with Anthony and got a tattoo <laughs> that year. <laughs> and, and people were, were doing the dreadlocks for Iverson. It was it, Everybody was doing everything. It was great. Maybe this team catches that wave and maybe the fan base. Listen, the fan base is involved in the Sixers. I don't mean to suggest not, but nothing was like that year. Right. And I would love to see that come back, and I would love to see Embiid have that kind of extended postseason. Yeah, I guess it seems like it's almost a foregone conclusion that he's not going to be the MVP. Uh, yeah, which is which fuels him more, so it, it's it okay. Kind of, it kind of seems to be driving him, but, I mean, game three in the Toronto series, if you're talking about an MVP performance, there it was. Yeah, that was a, um, I hope, I hope that's one of those game-winning shots that is remembered for years to come because it's significant along the way, right? Right. I mean, if they lose in the next round, then it's kind of forgotten. If they go on extended run, they get to the finals. It's like, yeah, and you know, remember that shot, boy, that was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe that'll be uh, maybe that shot will be the equivalent of the the Jake Elliott sixty one yard field goal. There you go. Well, that would be okay. Let's talk to John in Maniunk. What's on your mind today, John? Hey, Ray, it's time for the final Matazara punter draft ball of the hey, year. Hey, John, do me a favor. Are you on a speakerphone or something? It would be better if you uh, pick up the uh... – uh, uh, No, I'm not on speaker. Sorry. Can you hear me okay? A little bit. Sort of. Yeah, not great. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, well, it's going about Matazara. I was on the site, and they said he's 
might go in the fourth round. Mm-hmm. And I was reading up on him. He's got a little versatility. He can kick field goals and kick off, kickoffs. What do you think? Uh, the punter, you mean? Yes, not as error. You do know. I, I I don't mean to. Uh, you know we've we've not that you're compelled to listen, but we've discussed this a lot. Oh, yeah, I know, I know. Okay, and then I am the world's biggest Matazaria fan. That's why I'm bringing it up. There you go, Ray, fourth round, we're locked in. Um, Come on, Ray. I don't I don't argue against that. There you go, Ray's I mean, in. If, really, if, if the fifth round they got three picks, um, I would certainly I would certainly take him in the fifth round. I would use, you got three picks there. I don't know if he's going to get to the fifth round. Not. I think it's more, I think it's more likely he goes in the fourth, but he's, I mean, he's got a huge leg. And uh, the other part about it is he's also got some touch. I mean, he's not a guy that just booms it and uh, kicks it through the end zone and brings the ball out to the 20. I mean, he, he understands the idea of direction. He has a powerful leg, but he also understands directional kicking. He killed 37 punts inside the 20. So he's kind of uh, he's one of those punters that understands the total game and can be a real weapon. So you don't often see punters. I mean, he'll be the highest punter drafted in quite a while. Uh, He's not going to go. He's not going to go Thursday night, and he's not going to go Friday night. But I think he will probably go pretty early on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one more point, real quick on the draft uh, to get a little more serious. Hopefully, you can hear me okay. Um, so I think this is going to be the last year of Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, and Barnett. I think we have to do some backfill on the interior defensive line. I'd love to get one of those big Georgia guys. Yeah, boy, you do listen to the show, <laughs> Jordan Davis. Yeah, you got We're two. In. You got two of them. I mean, Davis is the number one, obviously, and will be the number one. Just a question of how high he goes. Uh, but they've also got Devontae Wyatt, uh, who played next to him, that actually could probably be a swing guy. He could probably play end too. I mean, he could. He, I mean, he can probably. He's probably more of a natural inside player. But if you wanted to move him on the outside, play him on the edge. I mean, he could probably do that too. Um, I'm still going to stick with my prediction that. Seven Georgia players will go in the first two rounds. I think that they, I think seven, and they'll all be from deep, all from the defensive side, but I think seven are going to go in the first two rounds. They're that good. Eagles got to get one of them. Jordan Davis, Works you know, he certainly, uh, he certainly caught my eye in Atlantic City. <laughs> all right, right. Coming up, uh, always Saturday around 1120, we do what we're watching. And, Often you try to recommend a new movie. I try to recommend a new TV show. Actually, tomorrow you're going to review a movie that you just went out and watched. We'll save that one. Okay. Today, kind of a special what we're watching with a guest because uh, the HBO series Winning Time, which is based on the L.A. Lakers Showtime thing, is both a national sensation, extremely popular, and has become extremely controversial. Uh, in terms of its realism, and it has sparked lawsuits. Jack McCallum, who is uh, among the preeminent basketball writers in this country forever, covered all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's going to give us a perspective, what's real, what's not, what's fugazi. So I'm looking forward to a special uh, visit from Jack McCallum. 215-592-9494. With Ray Dinge, I'm Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP. Well, basketball playoffs are here, and Scheib Vintage Sports is your home for throwback Sixers gear. Locally owned, Scheib carries national brands as well as original designs by the Philadelphia artists. So if you're thinking about the doctor, you're thinking about Moses Malone, Fofofo, if you're thinking about just what Glenn and I were talking about, which is Allen Iverson, the Spectrum, and even Prism, 
Stop by 13th and Walnut Street before you head to your next game or shop online at shibesports.com. And remember, you tell them that Ray sent you and you will get 15% off. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's and Brooklinen and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24/7 help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we really need new phones t-mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iphone 15s and each line is only 25 dollars a month new iphone 15s it's better over here. only at t-mobile get four iphone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. All right. What we're watching is sponsored by Got a Door and Window. Buy any window or door. Get the second to 50% off. Plus, interest-free financing for up to 18 months. Call Got a Door and Window today. One eight seven seven go guida or visit go g u i d a dot com. Well, Ray, I have told you that I am addicted to the show Winning Time on HBO, which is a recreation of the Los Angeles Lakers Showtime mm-hmm. from Jerry Buss all the way on down. And while it is getting tremendous ratings and is the buzz of the country, it is also generating a lot of controversy because. You may not know this, Ray. Yeah. It's been said it's less than 100% accurate to the facts. Um, I think I'm on the record as saying that, actually. You left it after two episodes? I, I bailed after two episodes. Yeah, and just... I'm watching it and enjoying it, even while I know I'm watching trash. But mm-hmm. here's the thing. I wanted to bring on somebody who actually could be, and I don't mean to discount you, but was there for the whole thing. Oh, right. And really authoritative. And I don't know who is better than Jack McCallum. Jack McCallum is one of the uh, preeminent basketball writers in this country. 
Uh, I remember from the days at Sports Illustrated, mm-hmm. he wrote the authoritative book on the Dream Team called Dream Team, How Michael, Magic, Larry, Charles, and the Greatest Team of All Time Conquered the World and Changed the Game of Basketball Forever. Nice, snappy, short title. It's a great book. I highly recommend it. Absolutely. It. I read it, and he wrote one in recent years called Golden Days, which kind of connects West Coast basketball from the early Lakers all the way up uh, including to and including the recent Golden State Warriors team. Ray, and he wrote a book on Jerry West. Mm-hmm. Ray, I would like to, Your Honor, present Jack McCallum as an expert witness, if I may. Absolutely. Jack, thank you so much for being our guest today. My pleasure. Your right. faithful Hollywood correspondent. There you go. <laughs> oh, and by the way, I, I left this out. You and Ray used to work together way back in the day, is that right, in your youths? I, well, I bullet. only... I passed through the – I used to look at Ray in awe from the press box. I was more of a Lehigh Valley guy. Then when I went to the Bulletin for a cup of – almost a literal cup of coffee, uh, Ray was gone, right, Ray? 1980, uh, you were not there? Correct. I had, uh, that, was the su- that was the summer that I left the Bulletin and went to the Daily News, just about the time that you were arriving. All right. Yeah, but Ray, I remember him in the press box one night, and he knows I'm going to say this, but writing the immortal line after a Phillies brawl, Kevin, apocalypse now, so shay. And that just, <laughs> that, I don't, that put wow. me on the floor. I don't know what it was. There you go. Maybe you had to be there, but it was just such, such the perfect <laughs> encapsulization of, uh, the, the lefty who was more than willing to to engage, let's say. All right. So, Jack McCallum, uh, by the way, on Twitter, at McCallum12. Um, you know what's going on with this series. Uh, there was a lot of blowback to it recently. Jerry West sent a letter to HBO and producer Adam McKay demanding retraction and apology for the network. Lawsuit. Um, so I just l- let us start there because I think that's the character that's generated the most controversy. You wrote the book on Jerry West. Is he being portrayed unfairly? Yeah, of course. I, th- I think there's so much complication here, but I th- here's the thing with, with West, and that is the things that they are portraying, which is a volcanic temper, a refusal, you know, anxieties. Uh, a kind of darkness of the soul, a lot of things like that. Those things are accurate. And I've talked to Jeff Perlman, author of the book, about this. But that doesn't mean the way that Jerry manifests, the way that it's being manifested in the show, which are these throwing a trophy through the window, walking off the golf course, treating everyone basically insultingly. That is not how Jerry manifested these things within him that he had to battle. I mean, he has his own book about it, uh, which he was very honest, talking about depression and the way he grew up and his darkness. Jerry internalized things. Jerry's problem was he didn't kind of let them out. And the whole idea of him being this always ready-to-explode guy is just not uh, accurate. And if people have accurately said the defenders of the show, and I get it. Yeah, it's not a documentary, and we can talk about why it isn't, but still it raises the question of are you obligated when you have the title of a book, real people who are still alive, who have their own legacies, are you somewhat compelled 
to have it closer to the truth. And it's somewhat of an unanswerable question, but that's what's being raised by the series. Yeah, I I agree with you, Jack. And I think that um, what surprised me and frankly kind of disappointed me was I read Jeff Perlman's book. And and I thought the Jeff Perlman book was, to my experience, I I wasn't around that team nearly as much as you or um, have the access that you did, but enough that I felt like I had a sense of who they were and I thought the Jeff's book captured it pretty well, and I kind of expected that to be reflected in the TV series. And it's not at all. I mean, they've, take, they've taken it, they've taken what I thought was a pretty good, pretty factual book and turned it basically into a TV show. Yeah, well, you know, the, what, what happens with the books? You, somebody options a book in Hollywood. That means they, they buy the book from the author. It's, not an, it's a great investment for a movie company or a company making a series or whatever, because it gives them a basis of factual material that they can research. And it's not with a, without a huge amount of money for the author. Any author, including me, willingly gives it up because what the hell, it's Hollywood. You know? And it's money we didn't have. Mm-hmm. So that is exactly what you said what happened with Jeff. Hollywood is not compelled to write what is exactly on the page. They could make a a show about blueberry preserves, you know, magic cooking blueberry preserves, and they wouldn't be breaking any laws. As I said, the question is, when you do that, um, are you, uh, you know, sort of because the people are not fictitious and because they still exist, and as I said, have their own really big legacies, uh, should you pay a little more adherence to what the uh, to what the book was, because, to what the facts were. So, because as you said, Jeff's book was really Jeff's a great. You know, I worked with him in full disclosure. He's a friend. Worked with him at Sports Illustrated. Jeff will go after the jugular and the sensational, but Jeff is a great reporter and pretty pretty accurate over the years. So I was talking with somebody I know who's about thirty who's watching this thing, is enthralled by this show. Listen, I got to admit, it's great popcorn TV. I, I'm, I'm watching every episode and enjoying it, even as I know it's how inaccurate it is. But this person who is, you know, younger 30 said, wow, I never knew it was like that. I never knew this with Dr. Jerry Buss was like this. I never knew that Kareem was that bad of a guy. I never knew. And so, I mean, I guess I'll ask your opinion is – because people who are not our age, who didn't live through it, are going to see this and think, well, that's fact. What damage does it do? You know, guys, this is America. We are free to do this. And uh, I think if you read enough, if those some pe- some pe- same people that are reading, uh, looking at the series and enjoying it, and by the way, this journey through Lakerland with John C. Riley. I get it. It's really interesting. John C. Riley is terrific. This is just he's my great. opinion. He is great. I mean, he, he is. is great. He's great. It's sort of like he's the engineer of this surreal train, and he's taking it through through this journey in his eyes. And he is, but he's always fantastic. I mean, when they got John, it was supposed to be Michael Shannon, by the way, who's a lot oh, darker yeah. of a character. Yeah, yeah. He turned down the thing, and because he didn't like the breaking of the third wall when they go through and talk to the audience and he didn't he didn't like that he's a little more serious i could just see john c riley going hell yeah we'll do that <laughs> that's not a problem so uh adam mckay's audience is not 
uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Jack McCallum or Glenn and Ray or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or Bob Ryan, who has unleashed a furious, uh, you know, gerrymand on the, upon the show. That's not his audience. His audience is the guy you're talking to. Yeah. The 30-year-old guy who wants to be entertained. Yep. And the fact oh, he that loves he, it. Yeah. The fact that he's going to get some wrong impressions, that's just the way it goes. And we hope what he does is he reads some of the retractions. He listens to some of the shows. He reads Kareem's great piece and says, no, this isn't exactly how it is. But the idea that Adam McKay and the show committed some sort of legal, uh, you know, impropriety is just not going to hold up as much as I feel for Jerry and what he's going through. Because I've talked to Jerry about it, talked to his son, and there is a really, really bad feeling, you know, about what they feel the show has done to their legacy. And I hope people read enough and get enough all-encompassing knowledge to say, I'm entertained by the show, but let's not feel that this is exactly the way it was. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's a. I think it's a fair representation. Did you, um, when you look back on that team, apart from the TV series, but if you look back on the reality of that team, um, there have been a lot of great teams that have come along, and there have been a lot of great. Uh, there have been a lot of dynasties in the NBA, um, but that team had a personality. That team had a history. That team leaves a footprint that I think. I really think is unique, Jack. I mean that. that that was that was the true marriage of, of sport and entertainment and uh, the Lakers and maybe it was partly the L, maybe it was partly L A maybe it was partly the the crowd that they got at courtside maybe it was you know the cutaways to Jack Nicholson or whatever but I think that that team you know they, they, they'll be remembered in basketball for reasons other than just basketball I mean they were a true they were a true floor show every night oh no question and that was that was the brainchild of Jerry Buss saw this I mean a lot of the stuff. In there, we have to remember that a lot of stuff about the show is accurate, and the fact that Bus was taking this great gamble on a sport—you know, the the era they show—that seventy-nine, eighty, as you guys know. I mean, the NBA could have gone out of business, you know. Mm-hmm. And Jerry Bus created this kind of other thing to the point, to your point of what they did—that they are almost—I'm going to use the word almost—they're almost overlooked. As a basketball team, they won five series in the uh, five championships in the decade of the '80s against the Bird Celtics, the Irving 76ers, the, the uh, Isaiah Thomas Pistons, the Dominique Wilkins Hawks. They were so good. And when I look back on a team that had an amazing, efficient offense, here's a team that was known for fast breaking and you know sort of upping the energy of the game. But then they had the best half-court option in the history of the game, which is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. They shot near 50%. They were really, really an efficient, great basketball team along with their show. So what they achieved, as you said, was really unlike anything any other team did during that era, and they deserve a lot of credit for, a lot of credit for what the modern NBA came out of those dark days of the 70s. Jack McCallum is our guest. If you haven't read his books, you should read any and all of them. Start with the Dream Team book. Uh, listen, while we have you, and I know you're you're not uh, in this realm right now, but we were very surprised the other night to learn Jay Wright retired. 
60 years old, great coach at Villanova, won the two national championships. I'll, uh, you're, a, you're a hoops guy. What's the Jay Wright legacy? Well, I mean, I was, I was shocked, too, particularly since my, my closest uh, friend, probably, I, I can have friends in the college basketball business that I didn't cover all the time, is, is Jim Beheim's one of them. And Jim is apparently going to be there when he's 107. <laughs> so for, for, Jay, for Jay to exit when he still has really great teams, uh, people have said it uh, better than I have. Dane O'Neill wrote a great uh, piece about it, people that have been close. And because there's so many great Philly reporters down there, you know, Hoops and Dick Girardi and Dana and everybody down there, I couldn't say it any better, but uh, what he did was, I think, bring a kind of, uh, what's, what's the word, a, a, a kind of honesty to the game that I think you didn't have to be a corporate basketball power like Duke has become. Hey, and I love Mike Krzyzewski, but you know you don't have to have that corporate thing attached to it, Kentucky. Uh, you know, those kind of teams that you can do it out there on the main line. You can do it with some sort of uh, naturalness and niceness. And that's always what uh, Jay, I didn't know Jay very well, but I did know him. And uh, he was just a terrific person. And it's a gigantic, it's a, it's, you know, it's funny. He went out the same year as Mike, as Krzyzewski, but Jay's loss. I mean, maybe it's because I'm near, Philly, but uh, wow, that is really, really a giant loss. I agree. Yeah, it really is. And uh, you know, Glenn and I were talking about it in the first hour. And um, you know, we've seen we've seen these press conferences before. We've seen guys step away, step step aside, retire. Players, coaches. We've seen we've seen this before. Um, but Jay's, I thought, had, and I think this is this just kind of reflects his personality. Jay's just had a an authenticity, a, a, a kind of a, a, a genuineness to it that you know. Sometimes guys have these press conferences, and you almost feel like they're reading from a script. You almost feel like you know the the, the sports information director or somebody helped them craft it. Uh, and with Jay, totally consistent with his personality. I mean, he just got up there and just and just spoke from the heart, and it um, and it was really. You know, if whether you were a Villanova fan or not, I mean, you had to admire what this guy accomplished, and the grace, the grace that uh, that with which he leaves is really kind of unique in this era of sports, Jack. I just thought that you know, if you look at the twenty-one years, the record, the wins, they all speak for themselves. But I think just just the way he carried himself for those twenty-one years is that people are going to remember that as much as the two championships. Well, I, yeah, grace was actually the word I was. <laughs> searching for it, didn't come up with it. But I, I'll tell you my number one, uh, my number one Jay moment, and I always remember this. And that was we were all watching together. My college friends get together to watch the final final game, whether we give a crap about the teams or not. The year they hit the shot to beat uh, to beat North Carolina, and right after the shot went in, Jay, incredible, incredible game. Jay gets up and just breathes. A, you take a look at it sometimes. Just breathes like the sigh of relief. Goes, like he doesn't put his arms up. And I remember one of my friends went, how is he not jumping up and down? I said, I guarantee you what he's thinking of. How uh, painful 
this is for Carolina. You know, mm-hmm. that this game came down to this jump shot, which you make, you know, one, you know, you make it two out of five times in practice. You make it one out of 20 times with the NCAA game on the line and the, the little margin of uh, victory. And I just thought, really, it would, maybe I'm reading too much into it. I never asked Jay that question. But to me, it was this moment, of course, of relief. But it was sort of empathy, like, you know, we're a little fortunate to have won that game, and I'm not going to explode into this, uh, you know, display that I outcoached, you know, Roy Williams. I got the last shot. My guy made it. In 2022, it could be different. Uh, Jack McCallum, it is a pleasure. You can follow Jack on Twitter at uh, McCallum12, if I recall correctly. I don't have it up right now. Um, And he puts up compelling stuff. And as I said, read his books. They're great. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Really appreciate the perspective. And and, uh, maybe we'll have you back again. Always an honor to be with you guys. Thank you so much. Take care, Jack. Great talking to you. By the way, Ray, tomorrow I've kind of booked somebody on the same subject. Oh? Tomorrow. Mm Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking to Paul Westhead, who is a major character. Who actually is one of the characters. In that show. He is the co- I don't know how far you've watched. You've only watched two. Yeah. I'd watch a few tonight. You're not. You're hanging on home tonight. No, I'm not. I'm going to a book signing. Oh, I thought that's in the afternoon. What's the book signing? The book signing is at Town Books. Uh, I will be up there to, for Town Books, which is Where's in that? Collegeville. Collegeville. It's yeah. in Collegeville, right off 422. Yeah. Uh, head up there. Town Books, Collegeville. I will be there at 4 o'clock today signing books, signing them for how, however long they have books. All right. Well, so you'll be out by 530 because people will have bought all your books, and then you'll be home, and Maria will serve dinner, and you'll sit around scratching the dog. And tomorrow we have Paul Westhead on. He becomes the coach of that team. I know you know this story, but not everybody does. <laughs> A uh, a biking accident. Correct. Knocks out the previous coach. Jack McKinney. Jack McKinney, and at least in the show, is scared of his own shadow Mm. and intimidated by the players. Okay. And we're going to find out tomorrow from him what it was really like and what he thinks of the portrayal of the show. Okay. So Paul Westhead tomorrow, Mm -hmm. along with Jimmy Lynham tomorrow. Wow. A lot of local basketball. A lot of local basketball. Amy Fadul later today. Yeah, good. Right. Um, Roger in South Philly, do me a favor. Hang. I want to get you in the next segment. Uh, we are going right up until 1 o'clock today, as we said. So much going on that we are not going to do a tell us your story today. We've recorded a few. We're going to hold them until a couple weeks after the NFL draft and play them for you. But we'd love to hear from you. 215-592-9494. Ray Dinger, Glenn Macnow on 94 WIP. Ray and Glenn, 94. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela. The mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. 
Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. For WIP, this is the time of day when we always, on Saturdays, are joined by a doctor from Cooper Bone & Joint. Dr. Mark Pollard is nice enough to join us today. And, Doc, we have a serious thing coming up here. Mm-hmm. We, need, we need your expertise, sir. Uh, as you have probably heard, Joel Embiid has got a right thumb issue. It is currently listed as a sprain. He is by all means expected to play today, hoping to play through it. But there is some speculation that it might actually be a torn ligament in his right thumb. I don't know which ligament in the thumb. I don't know if that makes a difference. I guess that's why we are coming to you. Clearly, there is uncertainty Let's start with this. If it's a sprain, and I guess a sprain can be many things, should we worry or should we feel confident? Um, It totally depends on the magnitude of the sprain. You know, we've talked before, there's a whole spectrum of how severe it can be from just a minor stretch to, you know, where the integrity of the actual fibers that make up the ligament isn't compromised to, like, severe sprains are actually almost ligament tears. Um, You know, I think it's probably a good sign that he is still indeed actually playing on it, you know, indicating that it might not be that severe. However, you really don't, aren't able to tell definitively how severe it is unless you get an imaging study like an MRI. Would it make a difference if it is the ulnar collateral or if it is the radio collateral? Is one more of a concern? Yeah, the uh, ulnar collateral ligament is the one that's on the, uh, uh, the pinky side of the thumb. Um, that prevents the thumb from kind of falling out. And that's usually considered a little bit more uh, severe and possibly a little bit more symptomatic just because anytime you try to squeeze something between your thumb and forefingers, you know, the, that ligament would have a tough time holding it. Um, whereas the radial collateral is on the uh, kind of outside of the thumb away from the other fingers, and that's not stressed as much. So I guess an answer to your question, yeah, the um, uh, ulnar collateral would probably be a little bit more severe. And if it is, let us all hope not, a torn ligament, is he going to be able to play an extended run through the playoffs? Um, Well, you know, that's the decision-making process gets a little bit complicated there. Um, I think it was a Chase Utley had an injury like this a few years ago, ended up having surgery, and I think, he was able to play relatively quickly, as did Drew Brees. Obviously, they play different sports. Um, and, you know, the three weeks to return is like an eternity in the playoffs. Yeah. But it is something that, you know, can potentially be, you know, wrapped, uh, you know, given a splint or something like that to help support it. However, if that's the shooting hand, obviously that could affect the mechanics of things. Uh, we have one other pretty prominent athlete in this town is dealing with an injury right now, and that's Bryce Harper. Uh, has uh, what's reported as a mild strain in the flexor mass in his arm, which um, limits him from throwing the ball, but doesn't limit him from swinging the bat, as he demonstrated last night. Um, but he hasn't been able to uh, he hasn't been able to play the field for a little while. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what that injury is and how long he's liable to be limited in terms of playing defense. Yeah, the um, the flexor muscles of the uh, forearm, you know, they start at the elbow, usually on the inside part of the elbow towards the body, um, and you know they allow you to f- flex your wrist. You know, they can be involved 
a little bit less in power grip, but in certainly more of the motions of throwing a ball than, than swinging a bat. Um, and, you know, with, with any muscle injury, again, depends how se- severe it is. I think it's a good sign that he's, you know, playing through it, even if he's modifying playing DH, um, that it is probably not that severe and hopefully more of a, you know, a week-to-week thing without too many weeks being involved. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we hope for the best in both. Dr. Mark Pollard, always a pleasure. We always appreciate talking to you to the fine doctors at Cooper Bone & Joint. Have yourself a good weekend. All right. Thanks. You right. as well. Thank there you, doctor. There you go. I hope we get more clarity, uh, clarification on the Embiid injury, and I hope it's a minor strain of the, what she said, the radial was better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or nothing. Yeah, you know what? He looked in pain the other day. You saw when he banged that thing, he looked hurt. Oh, he did, for sure. Uh, And, you know, they're going to do the imaging when they get back here, and they'll find out what they're really dealing with. But, uh, yeah, I mean, torn ligament of the thumb on a shooting hand is not good. You're Nick Nurse today. Okay. You going after that? Well, yeah. What do you tell your guys? Uh,. You know, you got a chance for some. Well, you get any chance for some contact, you you do it. You know, if you can bang them, bump them, that kind of thing. Yeah, you, you'll do that. Yeah, I think that's you got a sore spot. Hit the hand. Yeah, I mean he's you know he's the key guy. Uh, and yeah. if you can, he's he's obviously going to be somewhat limited. But if you can um, cause more discomfort, right? That's better than make less. Him, make him feel it and hope that you intimidate him from coming in or doing what he wants. I don't think you're going to intimidate Joel Embiid, but that is the goal. Well, yeah, um, but, you know, the one Make of the things— Make him think twice every time he drives. Make, you know, every time he goes up for a rebound, try to hit that hand. Yeah, well, I think a lot of the stuff that's going to happen in the flow of the game happens so fast that you don't have yeah. time to think about that. But where yeah. you could think about it is on the foul line. You know, when you've got the ball in your hand, you've got to shoot a shot. If you've, you have time to think about, oh, my, my thumb hurts. Yeah. And— one of Embiid's many strengths, one of his great strengths, is that for a big man, he's a great foul shooter. Yeah. And he's at the line all night, it seems like. If he's, if it in any way affects his accuracy from the foul line, making foul shots, that's a significant difference. I've heard somehow it's unfair for him to be getting all those foul shots. Well, This new logic that, like, well, yeah, he scores, but they're all foul shots. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Those count. Mm-hmm. You fouled them. Yeah. So it's a weird dynamic. They're like, if he didn't get all those free throws, he wouldn't be the same player. Well, the well, difference is, duh. well, the difference is, you know, big guys have been going to the foul line for since the days of Will Chamberlain. I mean, because yeah. they're big and they get the ball near the basket, and there's a lot of contact, so they get fouled. The difference with this guy is he makes, makes the foul shots. He's no Chris Dudley. You know, guys like Wilt, guys like Dudley, guys like Shaq. Most of the big yeah. guys go to the line and you know they hit sixty percent. This guy hits eighty-five. Yes, he does. Roger in South Philly. What's on your mind today? Well, Glenn, it's really Georgia, but uh, you and I... I no, had that's very South Philly. You. Yeah. <laughs> I had the pleasure of meeting you a couple of times at Tron Saletti. Oh, and, nice. Uh, it's a great place. And, and Ray, knows, number one, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly about Jay Wright. I mean, he, he even though I went to Temple, I'm going to tell you, he made me a Villanova fan. Yep. And you fellows were talking about, um, you know, uh, UCLA. And uh, I, I happened to be there one night. I was fortunate. I was out for a company uh, meeting and got to go to a game. And you're exactly right. The coach sat behind the bench. And I did get to interview him. And I asked him what was his uh, favorite team. He refused to do it. 
But what was also interesting, I think the coach after him was Gene Bartow. And, it was, and it think, was Gene Bartow. That is correct. Yeah, and then didn't he go to um, Alabama, Birmingham, I think? Yes. Uh, and that started the program there. On the Eagles, I really would love to see Jordan Davis from Georgia. There pick. you go. It's unanimous, Ray. Yeah, because I really think, uh, guys, he can give that defensive line a foundation for the future. And uh, one of the funniest things with Buddy was his last show after he got fired, uh, Don Henderson was hosting it at the Rivet, and a guy calls in and said that uh, Randall can't get in his house. And Buddy said, what do you mean he can't get in his house? He said his front yard's an end zone. And that's a line. (laughs) <laughs> I'll never forget. It was just so funny, Good stuff. in my opinion. Hey, thanks for checking in, Roger. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Appreciate Roger. it. Let me get one more call here before we hit a break. His mouse is being bulky, Ray. Hold on. There we go. Darren and Aston, you're on with uh, Ray and Glenn. Hey, Darren. Hey, Glenn and Ray. How you guys doing today? We're good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I can't wait for the draft. been looking forward to it ever since we got these three picks, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, my, my main question for you is, I, mean, I'm, I, I would love to see them get two defensive players that can make a difference, um, but I feel like we're right on that borderline of, like, are all the good, like the best ones going to be gone, and I don't want to settle for somebody. So two defensive ends, Ray, I wanted to get your take on is, the, like, if we traded down with maybe one of the picks is uh, the guy Ojabo on Michigan who's hurt. Yeah, he's got a, and, he's got a, a torn Achilles. And then, and then uh, Ebikite from Penn State, who uh, I wanted to see, like, what was your take on them? Like, if we traded down and acquired something for 23 draft, like, what's your take on those guys as, uh, you know, their future? I, um, I, just, I, just, I just don't like drafting injured players. <laughs> You know, right. I mean, because there are a lot of people that are talking about that are in their mock drafts are projecting that the Eagles are going to draft Jamison Williams, the receiver from Alabama that's got the torn ACL, um, and and Ajabo, who probably would have been a top fifteen pick, uh, is going to go somewhere in the first round. Some people have the Eagles taking him because the I guess they're thinking about the Sidney Jones thing that uh, the Eagles drafted him. Well, that didn't work out very well. Um, I I just don't. To me, it just it just seems like bad business. Why would you draft an injured player? But if you get value on it, Landon Dickerson, they drafted, uh, and they got him where they got him because he was injured, and he looks like a terrific pick. To me, if you if you get value on it, it's worth doing. Sidney Jones too high. Landon Dickerson worked out. Well, it worked out, but there's but there's you know there's the other guys that don't. I I just I'm just I'm just leery of drafting. Defense. I'm, I'm leery of drafting players that are injured. Uh, the Penn State, the Penn State kid, I think has. Um, I like him. I, I think what what you what he is now, at least to me, represents. He's a guy who hasn't played a whole ton of football, so he needs a little bit of coaching. He's got a lot of natural ability. He's certainly got he certainly got quickness and an ability to get to the quarterback. I think he's a guy that, to me, at least initially, projects as a pass rush specialist. You know, I don't think he's a guy who's going to be a starter right away, but I think he's a guy that in your nickel, your dime, you're looking for a guy that's just going to come on the field and rush the quarterback. I think that's what he is initially, and you hope you can develop him into a more well-rounded, three-down kind of player. 215-592-9494. Coming up, we're going to talk some sixes with Amy Fadul, your teammate uh, there over at Comcast Sport or NBC Sport. What do they call it these days? Uh, NBC Sports Philadelphia. There you have it, right? 
Yeah, she's done a really good job. I mean, Pro's she's pro. She's been uh, she's been on that Sixers pre and post right from the beginning. And we'll find out what she thinks about uh, today's game. Ray and Glenn on ninety four WIP. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest five G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission.